You are now tuning in to Lex and RDDC Broadcast Station, serving up on the double doses for us all. Welcome back to the Real Double Dose Channel. This is your host, Lex, coming to you straight from the heart where the talk is real and the vibe is always live. Like we always say, thank you for coming here and back on here with us again because here, serving a slice of everyday life is what RDDC is all about. For any show requests, feedback, or anything under the sun that you can think of, get a hold of us at Real Double Dose Channel at yandex.com. That's Y-A-N-D-E-X.com and as well as realdoubledosechannel.blogspot.com as well as our dot com is out there with your apparel and so much more that you all have been emailing us about thousands of emails thank you so much and if you're not tuning into these stations which i know and i see or we see that you are go to tune in stitcher radio spreaker.com blueberry.com spotify iheart itunes soundcloud deezer google cast so many links we can't even name them but at the dot blogspot, as we always say again you can go check out the about me section any disclaimers and anything that you need to enhance your life and just have a better overall of you and our guest experts pages will be located there and so much more and don't forget about your free travel giveaways once everything does clear down from COVID-19 don't forget about those free trips to Puerto Vallarta Puerto Rico different ones just enjoy yourself so without further ado we want to talk to the wonderful and beautiful Mrs. Paula Aguilan so thank you for coming on our show Miss Paula how are you I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yes, you are wonderful. And you know what? I want to say about Paula on here. Paula. Let's let's pronounce it correctly. Paula. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Paula. <laughs> Paula is a success coach, author, and professional tango dancer living in Austin, Texas, which I will be there very soon. Don't worry, neighbor. She is a passionate <laughs> she is a passionate advocate for growth and self-discovery. And that's through her own painful journey that she has developed a system to help others discover and 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 basically uh get over to get the glory of the layers within themselves that's what we all need so they can reach their greatest version of themselves and she also has a diverse professional life spanning into two continents that's france and united states and several industries including hospitality fashion retail and wellness and being bomb.com yes facts <laughs> all right <laughs> we, had to, we had to put the extra truth in there you know that it will set you free it will yes, set you ma'am. free. <laughs> so how are you doing? How are how is life treating you? Once again, I ask this question. Yes, of course. Uh, life is treating me well. You know, I'm, I've been very lucky through what is happening right now. I know some people uh, are very much struggling, uh, but I've, I've been blessed. So I'm very grateful for that. Absolutely. I mean, so, well, yeah, well, you know, you said the weather was pretty. How is the weather? I mean, where you are right now? Right now, you have that uh, really decadent 75 degrees Austin, Texas, blue sky with that very soft wind, not too hot, not too cold. And uh, that's, it's just wonderful. It's not going to last. <laughs> that's the oh, only thing. wow. It's going to get super hot, super fat. Oh. Uh, so, a heads up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we want to put a little rain on that real quick there. Well, you know, I mean, we've had a lot of rain in Minnesota. I know we've had uh, tons of, I mean, it's basically tripolar weather. I mean, that's oh. what it is. Like one day it's 50 degrees, next day it's 75 and it's sunny, next day it's 49 and it's raining. And I'm like, wow, is this really like going on? Or is this pro- pretty much, I think with all the energy changing and the whole atmosphere of the world itself, the world is just reacting to the energy, <laughs> the energy is responding to. And that's pretty much, that's what people are saying. They're going stir crazy. 
And honestly, you know, for me and yourself and many others, I just find it like I'm right back at school with my crayons again. Um, yeah. And I'm, yeah, painting the world through what we're supposed to see. And that's okay. Like a lot of people gotten so conditioned into being that robotical 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 p.m. I have something to do with my schedule. Yes. Yeah. And then my friends who are a little bit obsessed over hashtag look at me on Instagram are kind of like, oh, I don't have anything to post about this new boyfriend going to London. Or I don't have this. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be like, welcome to the world, honey. Welcome to the world. <laughs> But I you think know, the Minnesota weather is uh, conditioning you for the Texas weather when you come down. Yes, and I can't wait. I, I went to California for that whole entire year, and even walking two miles every morning like clockwork through 110 degrees, I still was like, Ooh. you know what? Yeah, I turned 50 shades of brown, but <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> they did not have anything on me when it came to a toasted marshmallow. I was gone. I was like, no. But I mean, it made me feel like I was on top of like everything. The sun was piercing. It did more. Like up here in Minnesota, it's very humid. So it's like, it feels like a big, thick blanket of just humidity is covering you and suffocating you. Um, so when I was down there, it was just more of a heat barrier. So I was like, okay, you could fry an egg in the sun in California (laughs) (laughs) and you could have a walking sauna in Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We got (laughs) exactly. Oh gosh. Where have you been my whole life? I got to say this again. I got to say, well, I'm right here right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't you enlighten all of us? Um, all those who are here now, um, and who are going to be downloading and on demand streaming this once we get this up to them. But yeah, tell us about your journey, your book, your life, and just overall the wonderfulness of Paula. Oh dear, no pressure. So uh, the book, we'll, we'll stick to the book for now, and then we'll we'll venture out later. But the book specifically, um, I was I was going through uh, a grieving process that was taking. Um, I'm, I'm an over accomplisher, and I had decided that this grieving process was going to be done with in three months. End of story. Done deal. And uh, it didn't oh, wow. <laughs> happen that way at all. Yeah, uh, it was actually it dragged on. It was painful. It was counterproductive. I was very confused, but I could start seeing that hey, okay, this is all that loss taking place. However, I'm starting to have some insights of new skills that I'm developing. Like I'm. I'm feeling more resilient emotionally when it comes to certain things. I'm handling situations differently, and I enjoy the way I'm handling those situations. So I went on Facebook, and and I posted, like so many people do, a little bit aimlessly and not really thinking that far ahead about it. (laughs) I was literally hitting the door, like on my way out of the house. Uh I I put that post up, and, and I asked my friends, like, hey, has anyone found some newfound skills and strength through their grieving process. And then I just left for the day and didn't think twice about it. And so many people commented on it. It was really overwhelming. Wow. Yes. And I, and I was really excited. It was a conversation that a lot of those people, you get connected on Facebook, you, you sort of have that awareness of their existence, but you don't check in specifically. You you know they are there. You met them two years ago, but you're still connected. Uh-huh. And a lot of people like that who started a conversation, and it was absolutely amazing. And I was like, yeah, sure, we can talk about it. So I started to schedule interviews, very more like coffee 
long days with people <laughs> to talk about their grieving process. And I was like, yeah, you too. Oh my God, that's exactly what's happening to me. And, and one interview after the next, I was like, wait a minute. I have all those women sharing with me what's going on with them. And the few men that I've reached out did not follow up. What's the deal? Oh, so, okay. uh huh. And so I reached out to a group that specifically um, uh, aims at supporting men to being allowed in their emotions. Oh. And I reached out to that group. It's like, look, guys, I'm I'm very careful here, and you guys know me already. Who here feels comfortable telling me about their grieving process? And there. I had feedback and there I had interviews with those gentlemen and stories that were so touching. And when I had that, I was like, well, I've got a book. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to talk about this, you know? So the, the book was not something that I really set myself up to do. I am not an author by trade, but those stories had to be told. They had to be shared. And, and I owed it in a way to the people that took the time and that were so vulnerable talking to me. And those stories are sacred. I mean, these were the most raw and painful and victorious moments of their lives. And they shared that with me. So um, I got everybody's permission. But that book, that book came from that. There's something really silly one day posting on Facebook and that story just developing and almost taking taking a life of its own and, and wanting to honor that. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's deep. I mean, that's super deep. It's that almost like a, a yeah. yeah, it's almost like a grieving, a grieving version of uh, chicken soup for the soul, but your own kind of <laughs> grievingness of it. And that's what it is too, because people want to be a part of the story that's resonating with them. And that's being told. Um, from the things that's happening. And on top of that, it, it, it was a calling for you to put that out. Cause you didn't even know it was calling you. You just, you just listened no. to the intuition. You put up a question there and people were like, Oh, wow. Finally, the question we've all wanted asked for us in here. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I, I mean, that's yeah. good because a lot of people, and I look at that, like people's friend list, 4,000 friends. And some of them, I'm just like, wow, like there's only two likes on a photo and I'm like yeah probably they're in their own world or Facebook just kind of got their own thing but then I'm yeah. like just to have people respond sometimes I'll post things and all of a sudden there's like 45 likes and I'm like whoa where'd you come from like oh you're on here like I didn't even know you were there and you know honestly to talk about grief I feel like when it came down to that men do have a certain way and I, I meticulously I try to like scratch that surface I'm very inquisitive where I'm always like why aren't you sharing your emotion? What's going on? Um, and they uh, feel like they have to wear some kind of armor. To, yes, of course. Yeah, to like not really show that side of them. Or do they feel like they're going to lose it more? Or they're just like, I'm a man and I'm not supposed to show this? Specifically for men or for everybody? Uh, just for men. The men specifically, we're, we're going to use the, the big dirty words. Uh, we are in a patriarchal system. Yeah. And men have been upheld to the expectation of being tough, uh, being providers. And if you show emotions that have been labeled as feminine, you automatically become less than a man. Uh So expecting somebody to challenge the identity that they have been brought up with. And And when I paint that picture, I'm aware that 
there is a broad array of grays in there. You know, we're, we're not talking about specifically that picture of the man being very authoritarian, or we, we can go all the way to even some more liberal and progressive circles where that patriarchal expectation is still very much there. And the men don't feel comfortable grieving in front of other people. They don't feel comfortable grieving even in front of their closest friends and their spouse and going all the way to, and that hits me in the heart like a bloody knife. Wow. All the way up to losing their significant other. Because as a woman, if we see our men as a mate grieve, we are losing that expectation that that person is no longer going to protect us. So the patriarchy works on both sides. It's like the men have to be up there to protect, and the women are expecting them to protect them. So we want to be protected, and if we lose that, if we lose that identity that we've been sold, that story that we bought into, uh -huh. then we're no longer interested. It's not that we don't love them anymore. Yeah. It's just that... We are not that into them that much. And that is something that I checked with several of my gentleman friends that are very educated when it comes to human dynamics and human dynamics in a patriarchal system as men. And, and that just hits me in the heart that we would, even the closest of us, be unable to hold space for a man to grieve. That is just not fair. That is just so terrible to me. Yeah, it's like suppression at its highest level. Oh my goodness, yes. You know, I mean, and I tell people too that the the females and a lot of women will say, "I want my freedom to be this, and we should have equal pay." Okay, that's a whole other level. I know, listeners. Okay, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're about to email me with another seven thousand. Okay, Lex. Da, 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 da. I'm like, well, <laughs> I just want to tell them. It's not, I mean, I can only imagine, and I fear in, in a certain different way. I know false evidence appearing real, but fear to the point where my son won't be able to have that. A lot of people lash out, become psychopaths, become all kinds of things because they just couldn't get that little window to express themselves. So they kept that all in and became a Tasmanian devil. I mean, that's what you you kind of look at. Like when I, I look at it with my brother, like I call him like my dad brother, even though my dad was around uh, for like at least a good 20 something years that I remember, it was just kind of the point that he was just dad he was just provider. He was doing his thing. Uh, God yeah. rest his soul. But at the same time, my brother, like my sister in 2018, um, she had, I think I said, uh, what is love? I don't know if it was that episode or whatever. I actually cried on air and I couldn't handle it, but I was just, I had to be there. And I'm like, I had just, yeah. I just retrieved her body from like a 20 minute drive and looked at her on the bed when she took her life on, oh, my, wow. and, you know, and it was on my birthday that she, chose to do that so i was sitting there and i'm looking at it and i'm thinking man like i could not contain that two and a half months later i had to go get my brother's body from across town and his lungs collapsed on him so i was like how do i deal with this and all i can remember is the feeling of the most magnificent pain that ever like circulated like it was like numb to the world like i you were i mean when they talk about outer body experiences that had nothing on the feeling like i was just like whoa like Oh man, it was gone. And I looked at my brother and for some reason, I just saw one single tear come down his face the entire time. And then that's all because my mom was leaning on him crying at the time. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. I'm like, wow, when is he going to freak? You know, when is he going to snap? And I'm like, he just was just so, even now he's just so 
Zin. And I thought it was a Gemini thing, but I'm like, I just thought, I'm like, no, I thought it was, I'm like, man, that's a cool Zodiac. Keep it in, you know? But I'm like, how does he, I want to ask him, I'm like, do you ever get sad? He goes, yeah. I'm like, do you ever get, you know? And and that's what we all looked to him. We all ran, even my sister got rested. So we all ran to him and cried on his arm and he kind of looked at us. So I think for him, my mom was like, he does it. He just doesn't show us that he does it. And yeah. I was like, man, that, I mean, like, I, I respect it and I honor it for the fact that they have that much, like, tenacity and then to actually have to bound themselves back. But then I feel like that's not healthy either to where they don't have anyone to express that to unless they feel very comfortable enough to do so and still subconsciously thinking, am I looking weak in this moment? Yes. You know what I mean? Like that weakness. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's crazy. Wow. It's, it's very challenging. It's very challenging. Yeah, grieving is very complex. I remember punching the steering wheel so hard that I felt my knuckles almost break. And I love, I mean, like before, one of my good friends was a professional boxer around town. And um, I just was like punching the steering wheel. My mom had some people come over from the church to say hi to her. And I just remember no matter how hard I screamed, no matter what I did, I just did not care. Like I could not. And it was funny because one of the gentlemen over at one of the gas stations that are very, very popular around here, for some reason, I mean, he, I didn't know he was a real estate agent later on, but for some reason, his name was Tucker. And he kept, he, and he, old man Tucker, like that song, old man Tucker or old man Tucker. And I was like, why is this guy giving me the creeps? You know, he looked like he was one of those guys who were off some Hollywood sequel movie happening. And I'm like, I've met, you know, Reverend Al Jackson and George Clooney and, uh, and Ernie Hudson, different ones, but they didn't have that kind of look. It was just kind of, it was just, it was a different look he gave me. And he, I did not know why he was there. Cause I'm like, he's a well-off man. Why is he here? So all of a sudden, um, I remember the morning, I think the morning before, no, about a week before my sister passed, his sister was coming into town to visit them, his little sister. And the semi truck driver did not see her because he slept behind the wheel. So he, oh, fe- yeah, yeah. So he fell asleep behind the wheel. She had texted him that morning saying, I can't wait to see you big bro. I think she was 22 or 21. And he said, I just, I didn't even know that was the reason, but I remember that morning I had texted him and he asked me for my number in the store and we were just talking about projects. And he was like, can you look over some real estate deals and let me know if it's a good investment? I'm like, sure. But for some reason I had texted him and he said, I'm going to meet you. I'm leaving work right now. And then he went to the other gas station down the road to come (sighs) see me. And I remember standing in the middle of the store. I could not move. And thankfully, I know everybody to the point where they, you know, uh, hug bases. But I just sat there in the store. And I remember he came in and he just lifted me off the ground and he did not let me go. And we cried in the middle of that gas station right by the bakery just sitting there crying and people were like okay did they just meet each other is something happening and someone was like ma'am is he harassing you and it was just <laughs> <laughs> it was different but i remember that moment and i was like oh my gosh I, and he was just crying he goes i know lex i know the feeling we have both yeah. i lost my older sister he lost his baby sister and we <sighs> sat there and i said my mom always says for such a time as this this is why it came and I was like, man, that's so profound. Like, I find myself in that moment and I'm like, man, he, I think that was the first time he let that go because he cried 
on me. Like, you know, you would think he was just some axe man, you know, this buff, green eyed, you know, axe man guy with his, you know, go goatee on. You you would just think he was tough as hard as nails. But all of a sudden he just cried and cried and my shoulder was so wet and his shoulder was so wet. He did not let me go. But then I called him like a few days later and I'm like, Tucker and he goes, You know what? I, I just I can't I don't know what to say. I, I can't really face you right now. And I never heard from him again. And I'm like, what happened? It wasn't a sensual thing. It was, it was like a moment that either I look at it like we were meant to share that moment and grieve. But then I'm like, what happened? (laughs) Like what happened? But whatever happened to him, Tucker, if you're listening, I love you. Thank you for being there. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I thank you for being there with me because I, I literally, God knew I needed that at that very moment in time. I was, that was like half an hour after I just followed her body in a town. Uh, and that you know wow. yeah so i was like wow yeah so i mean touching on that when i saw the grieving i'm like man paula you hit the nail right ah. on the head and i know some of you are listening crying at this moment dealing with it but that's why we have wonderful her here wonderful her because i'm like at this point I'm like, she <laughs> she's bringing paula is bringing a lot of a lot of good questions and thoughts to the minds of those who suppress uh these, these things going on so in your in your journey of it and getting chance to have your expertise of mindset to it, what do you think is the complexity of why grieving is so difficult for those to express or deal with? Well, the complexity of it is there is the emotional part and then there is the operational part. So the emotions is, and I will, I will touch very quickly on it because it's a, it's a little soapbox of mine. Uh, the five stages of grief. I I would I would love for everybody to just let that one go, okay. uh, because the five stages of grief was something very specifically defined by Kabbalah Ross oh. for individuals that are going through terminal illness. Oh. So, which means somebody told you you're going to die, and they pretty much gave you a date. So, and that is that is what that format applies to. However, we're starting to use it willy-nilly for pretty much any situation left and right, and it doesn't apply. So as an update, people start to say, well, it's the five stages, but it's not in that order. There is a different order. It's like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) let's go one step further, okay? There is not only not all those steps, but there might be five other emotions next to it uh-huh. that may happen, including relief, elation, some feelings that we may label positive, but that we don't want to talk about because there is that expectation that if you're grieving, you're supposed to be sad. So yeah. let's, I had a friend tell me after he read my book, like, yeah, my mother passed away. And I felt relieved because she was no longer suffering. But we don't want to talk about that. Yeah. You know, I am elated because there is that weight lifted off of my shoulder because I no longer have to be a caretaker for my dad and I can have a life now. We don't want to talk about that because all of a sudden we come across as selfish. Okay. But we can be heartbroken and, and, and feel relief at the same time. So the complexity at the emotional level is that <laughs> we have all those feelings happening. And they're happening in all those different orders. It makes no sense whatsoever, but we're experiencing it at very high level as you have. And, and the intellectual part does not apply. We're trying to make sense of it 
and it doesn't make sense. Those emotions are running their course and we have to build that resilience to embrace them. It hurts like hell. It's extremely hard. It takes time. The same way I mentioned that I wanted that thing done in three months, which didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> we put expectations on ourselves to get it done because we want to go back to our regular life. That's true. And our regular life is not going to be our regular life anymore because now that we lost something, everything attached to it has been touched as well. Absolutely. So, right? Absolutely, yeah. So you lose a pet... And all of a sudden, you don't go to the pet store anymore. You don't go to the dog park anymore. You don't want to hang out with your friends who still have their dogs. Ah, you don't yeah. want to talk about it. You don't know what to do with all those dog toys because you, you don't feel ready to have another dog yet. So you have all those practical operational aspects of your life that bleed into the social aspect of your life. And now you have that domino effect all those parts of your life that are being affected because you lost one thing. Yeah. And when you lose more than one, so if you have a loss of, you know, for example, this is a pandemic. Some people are losing their job, their friends, their money, their sense of safety, all of which are very valid sources of loss and grief. Uh -huh. yeah. And you have domino effect for every single one of them. And it feels like the ground is just being ripped off from under your feet. Yeah. So that's the complexity of grief that we don't always know about and that people don't want to look at because it's vulnerable and painful. Uh, it's, it's not only losing one thing, it's losing everything that goes with it. That's true. That is true because you lose, uh, like you said, all your material things, your livelihood. Uh, then you worry about what are you going to be making loss for those who depend on the loss that you're taking. Um, so uh -huh. they look at all those aspects and I think too, I'm like, man, it's almost like when I open up the mail, I'm not expecting the worst, but I'm like, come on, just don't even, I'm like, just whatever it is. I don't need it today. And I'm just like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to open it up. And I'm like, I, I don't think I'm like, if this was to happen, you know, to that moment, but I want to tell everyone too, like in the process of that, it's almost like when I go downtown or I told people before, like when I return back to work. Um, when I was down there at the time, it was kind of like everyone just stared at me and the room stopped. And they knew, they, they, they make it very apparent that they know you've lost someone. And the way mm -hmm. that you look and they're like, man, you just don't look the same. I'm like, you think? I'm like, I'm like <laughs> so, I don't know. You tell me how it feels to lose two siblings you grew up with your whole oh, life. You gosh. know? So all of a sudden I'm like, okay. And then my, my brain couldn't function when they asked me, do you want a cup of coffee? I could not understand what they meant for like almost probably 10 minutes. I'm like, what do you mean coffee? And then my friend stepped in and she goes, she's not here right now. She's not uh -huh. here. So she was like, I said, you just think for me for a second. Just let me, let me get normal. And it took me about a good four weeks to just kind of come about, but it made me feel like, the story and the message. I thought I, I thought I had a story before. I mean, just from the craziness of, if I tell people 10% of my life and they literally ask me, is it like a freaking, you know, blockbuster hit? And I'm like, no, I'm like, this is serious. They're like, you're really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is true. And after yeah. they see it's true for 10 minutes, just what I dealt with in California for even six months, 
they were like, man, you need to like go to Amazon Studios. I'm like, well, guess what? Amazon Studios reached out to me already. So I'm like, at this point, all right. if I had, if I had energy to write more, I mean, that's 12 books doing all kinds of stuff. Like my mind is kind of like, I'm either an Aries or I'm just stuck in a, stuck in a zone. I'm like, I just can't, I just do it because I have fun, you know? And people are like, okay. But after that point, I'm like, my sister, I was trying to look at the meaning she taught me. See, the only thing is, is I have the grief process with her. Um, and I'm still, I told people right now, I'm like, it's still the shock wave. So when I looked at the five stages of grief, I know my mom's uh, friend had brought that over. I'm like, five stages of grief. And I just tossed it in the back of my car. I'm like, I don't want to see this, you know? I was like, I just didn't, I saw it. I'm like, okay, I could rationalize with it a little bit. But it was kind of like you said, it was different things coming up. And I'm like, well, why didn't they mention this? Or why aren't they saying this? I mean, you know, some of the I'm dealing with, maybe it's just me. But then I looked at, I had to put the pieces together of the puzzle of why my sister chose my birthday. And the message she sent to me because of it, because the same, like in our whole generational foundation, even from the beginning of all the doctrines written, people dismiss now their dreams and visions. I know the difference between a dream and a vision. And I saw my sister's death down to the very detail one year before it happened. And I I always share it with my mom and we take it very seriously. And obviously it came to fruition. Um, a lot of things happen like that. Like I told people, I can tell when something's coming, what day it's coming from who. That's just the way it's been. Like I just, that I tapped into that a long time ago and understood the per, the principles of that foundation. Well, you know, to all those out there, whether you're Native American or not, I know I have it in my, my bloodline, but I'm saying like it, it's to everyone who wants that access. But I, I still looked at that and I'm like, my sister's message to me when she was dancing in my dream, just having a good time. She goes, I'm free. I'm finally free. Like I said, no, what do you mean? We're back here. We're crying. We're going crazy over you. Come back. And she's like, I'm free. Like either come and have fun with me and let's just go ahead and finish this vision or, you know, be about your business (laughs) because I was just like, wow, from that moment. So I said, well, she chose 11 PM. The coroner said, so 11 PM, she passed away on April 9th, my birthday. So I was like, she waited until her baby sister's birthday was pretty much completed in a certain point to say, you know what? I can be with you in her mind. And it's crazy because she worked over at uh, the hospital for about being a nurse for about a good 15, 16 years. So I told him people, wow. yeah, people who take care of people, um, they don't, they don't like to take care of themselves. They really don't. And, and the main challenges with grieving, like you mentioned here, is teaching me something from what you're saying. I mean, all together. So at the same time, is women, are women more kind of coming to you, like pouring over the mountaintop, wanting to express this, like, Hey man, we've been waiting for this opportunity just tell how we feel during during our grieving uh, versus certain people in certain categories of life? I think women have been more open just because it's culturally acceptable for them to cry. Oh, okay. uh, it's, it's culturally acceptable for them to show their emotions. Uh, we expect them, I mean, we ex- we're expected almost to be emotional and uh, to be very caricatural about it. So... Women definitely have more space. That doesn't mean that we have the education or that we have the social support. Oh, yeah. So that is still lacking. And, and I've had, of all the people I talk to, the only one that really I felt that I could be there with was my father. Uh, in France, so oh. we, we could not even be in the same room. We, we had no physical contact through the whole process, but oh. he was the only one that would actually give me the validation 
that I needed, even my closest friends. It came to a point where they feel a little bit like they don't have the answer anymore. And then they go into the fixing, dismissal, minimization of what you're going through. Because one of the hardest things to do, beside grieving, is looking at somebody doing it. It's looking at someone who is in that state and you want, we're, we're wired for connection and as social animals, we want to take people's pain away, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. So when we see somebody in pain, it's like, what can I do? You know, you, you need a kiss on the boo-boo, you, you have a cut, <laughs> I have a band-aid, it's like, what can I do? <laughs> but if we don't have the education or if we don't have the emotional intelligence and resilience, to be next to someone who's grieving, it's not going to work. And the most support I got came from very unexpected individuals on Facebook, people I had not seen in years, uh, and not from my closest friends, because maybe because they were so close to me, they wanted to be able to take that pain away, and they couldn't. Oh, yeah. And, and and they went into a fixing, minimization, and dismissal, which is the worst thing we can do to a griever. Yeah. And what we need as a griever, and it may, may sound overly simplified, but I've lived it, I tried it, I checked with a lot of people, uh, it's validation. Like just being able to be there and validate the fact that they are going through something extremely painful and that... We may not have all the answers, but we can actually stand next to them and look at them in a way that I get it. It's Mm. painful. We don't even have to go into empathy. Compassion will do the trick. But to be able to be next to someone, and if we have grieved before, to be able to go back to that moment, and I've seen that happen. It's magical. I swear, Lex, I've seen it happen. It's magical. If you go back to your grief and you look at someone who's grieving, you don't have anything to say. They will see it in your eyes. Yes. It is magical. You've, you've seen that, right? Yes. I, that feeling of just, it's deeper than warmth. It, oh, it's, yeah. It's like they say everything with just looking into the depth of their eye. I you mean, don't a lot have of and, say and, anything. They'll cut you off. Like, you know what? People do cut you off. Like, with, with your grief, like you said before, like they'll dismiss it almost where it's like, okay, well, things will get better. Just, just think of the happy mm-hmm. times right now. Let's just move forward. And I'm like, Wait a minute. Like, I don't care if it's 10 years later. If I feel like I'm at this place right now, that's where I'm at. You know, and some yeah. people, like I tell people, like my niece is different ones. Yeah, we can, some of us can stay stuck longer than we should, but we cannot tell anyone what path of how rapid it should be for them. You know, yeah. that's the same thing I told my friend. If you want to lose five pounds a year, that's your journey. That's mm-hmm. no one else to tell you, well, it should be five pounds a month. Well, you're not me and I'm not you. You know, I'm like, I just, <laughs> look at that. You're, you know, like if someone says, well, you should dump that guy every five weeks. Well, I love him. Well, come on. You're, you're walking my journey. Remember? So I just, <laughs> you couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. So at the same time, I look at that when people will say, oh, you know, cause they'll, they'll say, okay, well, just, you know, she's in a better place. And I'm sitting here and I said, well, who, oh, dear. Oh, I, my I, God, no. I, that's the most epic one. And I said, you know what? I said, one thing someone told me is whoever said death was a bad thing. 
And then they looked at me like, okay, what are you thinking? Oh my God. And I'm like, no, what I'm thinking is, is that when they said, whoever said death was a bad thing, there's, we do know there's no more flesh. There's no more pain. Your, your lights are out. So the only difference is we're stuck here without them in the living sense. You know, we're stuck there without the, the unknowns of it. And oh man, I miss them. I won't be able to see them throughout my journey. But rest assured, if we are here right now, even listening or being about, we will be with them very soon in our future, our farther future. <laughs> or for some of us who are good in the, the blazing path of, you know, drug, sex, rock and roll are going to be seeing them sooner than later. So we, we do have a ticket. We have a ticket to the valley of death. That's one thing we do. <laughs> We do have, yeah. So on that level, yeah. People, I'm, I'm sorry this happened to you, or it'll get better, kid. Come on, let's snap out of it. I was like, oh, oh no, not that one. Yeah, you put a list in the book of things not to say. Yeah, you know what? Oh wow, Paula, (laughs) do it, Paula, do it, Paula. (laughs) She did it, people. (laughs) She yeah things not to say to a griever there you go don't say that yeah (laughs) exactly i look at that and i thought nothing will ever be this you know that feeling of nothing would ever be the same but even like after two months of finally getting a little bit back normal and then hearing about my brother i was so like when the cop the police officer was standing at my door it was raining and thundering these tall six foot something police officers just draping over me and i'm looking at them and i literally passed out on his arm like and he was like oh god and i remember I was like, no. He goes, I know. I just heard about your sister, you know, because I was supposed to join the police force probably about like several years ago. I was thinking about it before I got really into uh, social work and stuff like that. But when I he told me, I was like, I can't, I can't deal. Like it's on a conveyor belt. It went from my dad to my closest uncle to my auntie to my sister, my brother, and my other uncle within a year and a half. Oh, so like it's that. like I my my conveyor belt was stuck. I was like, at my sister, it was detrimental. So I, I used to call her mom. So it was really deep. But I mean, I was stuck. I'm like, right now, I'm like, anyone who talks to me, if you want to pursue a conversation or a relationship, knows I might freak out at any time and throw a pan across the wall. I might, I might get to a point to where I just don't want to talk to you today. I don't yeah. know. And I told them, I'm like, I don't know what it is. But if you can be there, even as a friend and like help me through that, that's something that I can assure you of. I will be there in my greatest and worstest times for you. And that's why I chose my path of, of having the celibacy moment to where I could just emotionally and spiritually and mentally attach myself to myself because I don't want people to be like oh she's so shady she cut me off or da 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 you don't want to go here no I don't want to sit at a restaurant with you I don't want to walk down the street with you I just want to sit here and look at the sky and and just you know just just breathe just breathe yeah that's all you can do breathe yeah (laughs) no one day at a time yeah hashtag one day at a time yeah hashtag one day at a time (laughs) hashtag one day at a time featuring Paula Aguilar. Yes. <laughs> we got the name of our show, Paula. <laughs> oh, my. you know what? I'm going to name it that. Tony, we're going to do that. One Day at a okay. Time featuring Paula Aguilar. Yes. That's what we're doing. <laughs> All right. He gives a thumbs up. You know, you're right. One day at a time. One day at a time. And I think yeah. when we all try to rush and do it, I think that's why a lot of people got mad where they were like, oh, this shutdown is happening. And I'm like, yeah, I understand a whole lot of crap comes behind that happening, but there's blessings that are always tied in. Um, I, And point in case, I look at the fact where I'm just like, some people don't want to uh, deal with those grieving moments. So they want to keep themselves busy at work and busy running around. So now of they course. have to kind of stand still 
and deal with that issue. And then I'm like, also, if you look at both of the sides going on with them, not only that, I told him, I'm like, it's just like the story with the, the, I don't know if he was a farmer, but he had the son that basically, uh, some wild horses that came into town. Um, I don't know if it's an old parable or what, but old, some wild horses came into town. One showed up, the, the neighbor said, Oh, great, great fortune. He goes, uh, maybe. So the next day, five more wild horses showed up. He goes, <laughs> Yeah. the neighbors go oh great that's even better he goes maybe so they're like what's, what's, what's up with this guy with the maybe you know and i'm telling people don't quote me people because you know i don't say stuff all the way perfect but i say the the, the principle of the story is going to be on, on point but um his son went out there trying to basically get one of them tamed or whatever and the horse the wild horse bucked him off and he broke his leg very severely so all of a sudden uh. the townspeople go oh misfortune he goes maybe so all of a sudden the military comes in a day or so later and they say, well, we can't accept him because his leg is broken. So the, the townspeople said, well, isn't that something? He goes, maybe. So at the same time, they're like, what's up with the maybe? He goes, there's no such thing as a good thing coming in. Because we can look at the story and say, okay, well, the horses came in. He got free wild horses. Okay, maybe. But then his son broke his leg, so he wasn't shipped off to the army uh, at the time, wherever the story was told. So he uh-huh. was saying, like, well, yeah, it still could be a blessing that my son didn't go, but we don't know what follows after. So I looked yeah. at that. My sister's gone. People have gone, funerals back to back. But at the same time, it assures me, not only my all my loved ones are waiting on the other side, it assures me that, you know what, the people that I love most have transitioned and that will be my journey one day when it is time for me to leave one day. And that's all we can do is just, my mom always says, live for the day and hope for tomorrow. I mean, that's all you can do. Because when you go to sleep at night, there's no promise, everyone, that we're going to wake up. I mean, if you get a glass of water in the middle of the night, lucky you. I'm like, like, you know, I had to recheck. I'm like, oh, okay, there's there's no Facebook going up to heaven. I can assure you of that. I'm just saying. But at the same time, like, there's no Instagram. There's no nothing. So out of all the time we have, all these app stores and all these other places, yeah, they make it entertaining. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, don't get so engulfed into running away from your grief or the problems that you face because of it. Because a lot of problems that we have right now are based on things we have not faced yesterday. And that's the truth. I mean, we we haven't faced, man, I really feel this kind of way. Sit yourself aside, have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee, and just really think, how did that make me feel and why? You know, some of the things going on there. So what are some of the resources available that people can start going on the journey and chapter for themselves, Paula, that you can kind of direct people with? Because I want to know about this myself, too. And I know Angela, who does with uh, email and blogs, she's she's lost a lot of loved ones, too. And I kind of we kind of want to get that going because I can spread that to my family. Um, And then on top of that, a couple of friends, one of my doctor colleague friends, he just lost his father. And then his, his wife having to deal with so many cases in court. Uh, as a lawyer, she lost her mother within two days of each other. So I'm kind of like, at this point right now, it's really happening like fire. <laughs> so I'm like, well, we could definitely use whatever you can help us get, you know, a head start with. Got it. So um, I'm I'm going to paint a broader uh, picture when it comes to grief, and including the pandemic. When I wrote the book, I had obviously no idea that the pandemic was coming. And we have... For some people, yes, there is a a factor of grief in the pandemic. And then for others, there is a factor of discomfort. So 
because someone is experiencing depression doesn't mean they're grieving. They could be depressed, but because depression is part of grieving doesn't mean you're grieving. Okay. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. So we need to be very clear. Am I grieving the loss of a job, the loss of a pet, the loss of a habit, the loss of seeing my coworkers every day, the loss of sense of stability? There is a very long list oh. of disenfranchised grief that is not death. I was just but, about to say that I'm glad that you hit that on it because I, I felt that I even felt grief over my other car sitting in the driveway. I mean, seriously. Absolutely. <laughs> I felt bad. I love my baby. Yeah. I, I've got, I'm looking at her right now. I love my baby car. But grief is about loss. So every time we experience loss at a very deep level, that we lose something that we love, it doesn't have to be death. Yeah. It can be a loss. So that's why my book is Grief and Loss. So when that happens, yes, we can have, we can reach out to our religious communities. We can reach out to our social networks. Depending on what we lost, we may have some resources that are adapted to it. However, I find most of them very much lacking and the people that I talk to give me the same feedback. Specifically, one of my friends, uh, works in the infertility, uh, circle and she supports people that are going through infertility so sometimes it's a miscarriage but sometimes it's the loss of pregnancy not being able to conceive and in those circles yes the women are being tended to and the men are not so you have a couple trying to conceive and the woman is having a miscarriage the man is having a miscarriage too Mm. because it's not physically attached to the outcome doesn't mean emotionally it doesn't deserve to be taken care of as well so culturally unfortunately and that's gut-wrenching we have lost the tradition and respect of a grieving process and yes you can find books and therapists and coaches some of them are extremely good but it's a little bit like throwing a dart in the night and hoping to hit i lost two coaches over the process because at some point there was a lot of expectation for my performance and I kept hearing the same things of, you know, if you do this, it's going to get better. It's like, yeah, it's like telling an alcoholic not to drink. Exactly. You know, you're, you're not supposed to drink. Exactly. But exactly. why are you drinking in the first place? So culturally, unfortunately, we have lost our ability to appreciate that sometimes life is hard. And it's going to hurt. And we need to get used to the fact that it's hurting. We need to not mind that it's hurting. We need to come back to that natural aspect of being a biological machine. And that stopping, the same way you mentioned people are being at work and overworking themselves so they don't have to deal with grief. Yeah. We can find that balance and still going back to that pain because that pain is not going away in 10 years in 20 years it's still going to pop up but if we build that resilience that appreciation that gratitude for still being around kicking and not seeing our ancestors yet we may be able to really embrace life to the fullest and because we do it we can actually help somebody else do it well it's more about grieving well than avoiding the grief because the grief is like death and taxes going to happen to everybody. Yeah. We are lacking resources. That's really embarrassing for us as a culture that 
we are so addicted to binging on Netflix, maxing out the credit cards for shopping, making it acceptable to get drunk because we don't want to feel that pain. Mm-hmm. We're over-medicated. We have an opiate issue, big one, because we decided that we don't deserve to be in pain. As mm-hmm. a Django dancer, I train every day. I'm sore every day. There is a body part somewhere that is not happy with me right now because <laughs> I'm, I'm really diligent about my training, but I also don't take anything to make it go away. Oh. I want to get used to the fact that sometimes those moments are painful and that it's okay. We're still around, we're still alive, and we're still embracing the full aspect of life, which is sometimes it's going to suck big time and it's going to be really hard and it's going to be painful. And hopefully we can be the resource to somebody else. We can learn to grieve well so we can be that resource to somebody else who's grieving who hasn't learned to do it well yet. Grieve well, be well. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag how hashtag how do you grieve dot com. Like that's why I want to ask that question. I don't know what I have a lot of things stirring in my mind, but I will say this the pain that came and resonated with me, it, it made me feel alive more than I have ever felt alive in my life. I have uh-huh. never felt more quote human in the flesh, and I always say the God is spirituality, but the human in the flesh, I had never felt so alive from the burning in my system. And I, you know, I'm like, man, hold on. I told myself in the car that next morning, I'm like, hold on to the memories. Hold on, because this is all, you're going to get the most deepest memories and occasions right now in the, the pits of this pain. And later oh, yeah. on, yeah, like everything came like flashes. And I remember, I'm like, just go ahead. Just okay, but let it go. It was to the point where my eyeballs were just on fire but i i literally vast in that pain because i've never felt so alive and and to everyone out there too relationship when we say serving a slice of everyday life i know people are going through oh man i lost my significant other a lot of divorce rates have skyrocketed since covid19 especially to where people didn't even know who they were dealing with and then a certain part of them from who you were or you thought you were dealing with is losing the loss of like losing that person you thought you knew um, the uh-huh. other part of you or, or erasing your identity or replacing your identity for it. So yeah, grief. Yes. I love, I love the fact that you said that Paula, grief and loss, um, to the point of, yeah, you're losing something, but you also have something to grieve over as well. Um, yeah. to that, even my little kitten. I mean, like, I love my little kitten, Mario. She would have been like, what, 10 or 11 years old now, maybe alive or not, but just, I think of her every single other day, at least where I'm just like, man, I, I miss her. Like just my little, she was like a puppy cat. Like I'm like, she was just so cute. I'm like, so I still look at that. I'm like, oh, I couldn't. People are like, oh, you're just crying. Or one of my friends at the time, he was so obnoxious. He was like, you know, he was trying to be there and he helped her pass away. Like he held her in his hands. She was internally bleeding. Um, a car, yeah, a car snipped her. So at the same time, I'm like, okay. And he was like, later on, I was, remember I was just drinking and drinking. He goes, okay, you're crying over a stupid cat. Oh no. Yeah. So I just remember, I know, I was like, I looked at him in my car and I just remember like pouring all the beer all over him, the vodka. I just was like, get out of my car. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, so I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. And I'm like, I saw him and I looked at him like, that was my baby. Like, I felt like my child, you know, and it, it was just not even an animal thing when people go on the fat. It was someone that slept with me and woke up to me and looked for me when I came home. That was a spirit in that 
animal that was connected with me. So I was yes. kind of like, yeah, it was just to that point. I'm like, what a psychopath. I, like, I just stopped talking to him after that. <laughs> just I stopped talking to a lot of friends, too. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just got to cut, snip, and replace. What my other friend says, don't chase him, replace him. There you go. Yeah, okay. I did. <laughs> I'm like, she said, Paula said, I did. Don't worry. Facts. We, we, we got them replaced already on that level. I do love that. So at the same time, where can people find more information out? I mean, I, I got your whole, and people out there, I want to put this out there again, uh, just in case. I'll, I'll put it out again after this, but it's www paulaessential.com and then also you can look for a four slash blog but that's www.paolaessential.com if you want to find some more of that information going on with there and we'll also have her dedicated page on the real double dose channel.blogspot.com with all her goodies and insights um, just sitting there so you can check out some of the wonderfulness going on. But do you want to tell people a little about your book before we wrap up the show? Yes. So the book specifically was written a little bit to support the reader. So the way it's built is very strategically, there are chapters that can resonate with you depending on where you're at on your grieving journey. It could be at the beginning, could be, you know, towards the middle. Some things are going to make sense. Other things, you're going to want to throw the book against the wall and that's okay. <laughs> but and yeah, because you're not ready. You know, if you, if, if you had told me a year ago, it's like, Paula, it's going to be for the best, you know, life has got, I would have seriously cut you off. But because we're not ready to hear that yet. We yeah. want validation for our emotions. We want validation for the process. So getting the book, if you want to read it from cover to cover, fine. I'm not going to stop anyone. But really look for the chapter that speaks to you the most oh, and digest that. Good. And, and then go for another one. And you can pick it up at any part of it. Uh, and I try to make it as, as accessible as possible. I really wrote the book so it could be used. Uh, more than telling a story. I really want it to be a resource so people can make sense of what's going on with them and find the validation that they may not be able to find in their environment yet. Absolutely. That makes sense. And I like that. Go through and the, the part that resonates with you the most. That's kind of like the book I have coming out uh, later on. That's why I'm still trying to figure out. I know everyone has some feedback about Oh, Lexus, you know, who who would say no to the Oprah magazine and all this? It's not the point of that. It's just I want to make sure no matter how high up the person is displaying what I have to give people, I want to make sure that it gets into the minds of what people need. You know, like, yes. yeah, so it, even so, when we're ready to go through the pages, everyone, and and you might say, okay, well, I read this section. Well, let me let, let me read some of this. Remember, there's people who are connected to us that need those other pages that we're maybe not so ready to fill in. There's other uh -huh. people that could be using this. So you can say, oh, well, you know, I glimpsed over a couple. You should just check this out a little bit. Just, just, just some more. Just some more. Yeah. 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 Yes. And if people say things that don't feel good, there is a list. It's on that list. You can tell people, you're not supposed to say that to me. That's not fine. Yeah. That's not okay to talk to me like that. And to really find that strength of empowering ourselves to grieve which we don't have because we have cultural expectations. It's like, you know what? You don't talk to me like that. I don't like what you're saying to me. You're not honoring my process, and I'm out of here. Ah, so I like that, that feels 
great. Yeah, I like that. You're not honoring my process. Ooh, I'm going to have to just... That's going to be called hashtag Paula facts. But we put, hashtag, you're not honoring my process. Ooh, that is so... Uh, that is we so have, on point. We have a very specific vocabulary of yes, uh, growth enthusiasts. It's like, oh, okay, so that that type of talk. Like, I yeah, love that, that though. Talk. I mean, that was powerful to the point. And it was like, <laughs> excuse me, listen, listen, Leonardo DiCaprio, you're not honoring my process, okay? <laughs> well, here... <laughs> to that point and you know what the fun thing is is we can actually laugh about the grief we've been through the grief that's been happening and and you know what you do get to a point because it's 2018 when all this extra heaviness hit me like a a bat out of hell and then all of a sudden i'm 2020 now and i'm like every time april 9th comes i can't help but feel fearful for my birthday and i'm like okay but i know that she didn't want that so my friend was like look celebrate life of her celebrate the life she wanted to live with you and celebrate the life of yourself and that was yeah. like the most calming thing but you know what if they ever piss me off i'm like look you're not honoring my process okay i'm like you're not doing it i love that that felt powerful to me like you're not just honoring my process put that out there people just that like you know and like, your, your, your your ex tries to come back in your life after making you go through grief you're not honoring the process of me trying to evaluate do I want to talk to you or not um, mm-hmm. you know a lot of things could be used for you know what Paula you're so beautiful oh, you're <laughs> you are you, so darling. you are so wonderful you know what honestly I, I, I feel I mean if you're up to it but I really do feel that people need uh, you know just even some more res- you know just Lay it on salt and sugar. But if they, if they do, if you feel like you have anything else that you want to definitely have a part two, let me know. Let Angela know whatever you can, because I would love, I mean, absolutely L-O-V-E. Just even here, even if it was 15 minutes, I know people are going to be like, man, I love Paula. I know you do because we do. Hello. Like, like, you know, but I mean, like what you said, it, it, it gave what people need right now. And that's what we're all going through. Fear, grief, loss. Everything uh-huh. you hit the nail on the head for, because that's our whole life. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So a lot of people want to talk about financial and marketing. I'm like, that's fine. But right now, they're probably wondering, when can I get a loaf of bread or my next toilet paper roll? Like, you know, like at this point, we can use it for future references. But right now, this is what the stages our people are dealing with right now. And yeah. when they come through this, it'll never be like it was before, no matter even if no one ever died, because it's still something that happened to us psychologically. Um, collective grief yeah yeah collective grief and we can all say remember the COVID-19 era mm-hmm. you know we're not gonna there's not gonna be any millennials or generation x that does not know what we're talking about we all are going through the wire and me being able to have calls from Italy and Turkey and some of my friends in Canada some of my other friends over in the UK uh, India and I would have my phone just go off all kinds of, you know because our time is so off and I'm like, they're like, oh, this is going on over here in Pakistan. This is going over here over in uh, Tokyo. My cousin, I'm in New Delhi. This is going on. I'm like, wow. So but apart from the news, I hear directly from them uh, what's going on. So I'm like, wow. It, it, yeah. It's it's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts right now. I just want to Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you are a wonderful uh, teacher and a person that is definitely blessed. And this is why you were the one selected for the gift to share such a gifted message. No one could deliver it exactly the way you have and you do. 
and the way that you resonate with it. That's that's why it was given to you. Because you said many have came before. Like many have came, but few are chosen. You are the one who was few was chosen. So a lot of people need to understand that people can always say what they are, but you actually breathe what you're about. You can tell it's in the feeling of who you are. It's not. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's not just a. Hey, yeah, check out this pamphlet. It's like, no, let me tell you what you're going through. This is Paula Aguilan right here. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell <laughs> Let me tell you the facts of what's going on. I feel a million times better being able to internally grieve now on an outward level. Because I spoke about it and I hit it back oh, and good. forth. Yeah, I hit it back and forth with other people back in the past or have a guest asked about it. But it, it, it hasn't like went to a level to where I'm actually going to contemplate what I'm going through at this moment while I'm checking out what's going on with your book, <laughs> going on with your book. And do you want to also tell them the name of your book, specifically how you say it, so I can make sure I don't scramble it up? It's called Shut Up and Listen, A Journey of Grief and Loss. You see, she just told me to shut up and listen, and I just had a journey of grief and loss. Oh, so wonderful. <laughs> so wonderful, Paula. <laughs> shut up and listen. Oh, I like that. Oh. specifically a journey of grief and loss because as it turns out there are other books out there with a a similar close title um so we really want to be in the grieving section not the financial or motivational one okay yeah grieving section okay grieving section loss. okay we got that (laughs) so i'll definitely have that you guys could also check that again thank you paula Aguilan for being on here with us again. If you do want to do a part two, we're completely a thousand percent game. We're on that. Game too. Yeah, (laughs) we are. And you know, there's a special, special kind of thing we got going on that I have to inform you about. And hopefully when all this kind of cuts away, hopefully later on this year, we can all have our huge ambiance of every, every person that wants to be there and kind of have more of a live and direct audience um out there but it would be a cool kind of breaking through the COVID-19 era kind of thing (laughs) going on but yeah we want to say thank you and appreciate that and all you who are listening now and who will be downloading wherever you are in this time space right now that is www.paulaessential.com we'll have all that up at realdoubledosechannel.blogspot.com and you can also check out the dose channel at yandex.com I think I've said that but some of you like the emails a lot better than the other social media so we got you on that don't forget what's going on so just until then everyone just remember to have everyone honor your process that's that's facts like paula said honor your process and remember to be the change feel the passion embrace the power of that wonderful spirit that dwells within you and is always calling unto you we love you you're amazing and we'll be back with you very 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 soon